going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rich Ad Poor Ad. Today we have one of my buddies, Chase Diamond, online. Um, he is one of the partners at Balance Labs. He is the chief of email marketing. He's done roughly $35 million plus in revenue for his clients, all via email marketing. So while we kind of dive into the ad side, we're going to be mixing in some emails with this as well to kind of have some good email practices, bad email practices, and kind of all the shenanigans getting involved there. But hey, Chase, thanks for hopping on today. Um, would love to kind of, you know, have you dive into a little bit about what you're doing, a little background there so people have some kind of insights there. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Definitely. Awesome. So yeah, currently today I run uh, Boundless Labs. We're a team of about 12 people and we're specifically focused on email marketing for e-commerce. So a full service email marketing agency, we work with about 35 to 40 clients right now. Um, most are some kind of seven and eight figure brands and email typically accounts for about 20 to 30% um, of these brands revenue. So it's pretty significant, but at a high level, that's kind of what I do. And that's kind of what I'm up to today. Oh man, that's awesome. When it comes to kind of a lot of the brands you take on, what percent of revenue are they sitting at originally versus kind of once you get your, you know, little wheels kind of spinning over there to kind of end up at? Yeah, so I'd say we kind of run the gamut. Some brands literally are doing almost next to nothing, right? So their email attributable revenue is sitting anywhere from like zero to maybe like 3%, right? So it's very minimal. And then some other brands that come to us are maybe doing 10, 15%. Um, they kind of feel like they've done everything that they can. Um, they don't know what they don't know, right? So they're kind of looking to bring in, you know, a second pair of eyes and ears and kind of bring in some experts to help them. So typically, yeah, anywhere from just starting out to maybe 10 to 15% on the high end. And typically over the course of, you know, maybe three to six months of working together, um, we're pretty consistently able to get these brands to be doing, you know, 20, 25, 30% of, of their revenue. And again, that's not for, for every brand, right? We've got some brands that are doing well, well higher. Some brands are doing 40, 50, 60% of their revenue from email. And some brands are also doing, you know, 10 or 15, right? Maybe if they started at zero. So it really just depends, but on average, it's about 20 to 30% of their revenue um, coming from email after a couple of months. That makes total sense. And what's kind of the size of these kind of businesses you are kind of working with? Are they, you know, have they been around the block a little bit? Have they, you know, been around, you know, what's the kind of lifeline or timeline of those kind of businesses you're working with there? Yeah. So uh, in e-commerce, I think we probably touch almost every single vertical, everything from like CBD to skincare to hair care to apparel to fashion to, you know, jewelry, accessories, you name it. Most of our brands do in the ballpark of about one to twenty million dollars in annual revenue, um, and they typically have been around anywhere from, you know, maybe nine months on the short end, all the way up to five, seven, maybe even ten years for some businesses. So, again, like it's that's really what I love about the industry that we all work in is like some of these brands kind of become this overnight success, and other brands have kind of been more established and are growing steadily. So it's it's really fun just to have this really well rounded kind of mixture. Oh, man, I love that. So, I mean, from your point of view, what's been one of the funnest clients to work with from you've had a lot of free ran on their messaging, you've been able to have fun with their copy. What's one of those kind of dream clients you've been able to kind of obtain over there? So for me, um, if you guys are familiar with the Chive by any chance, they're like the men's millennial site. They were really popular. Not that they're not popular today. They're really popular when uh, we were like maybe in middle school or high school. You guys know the Chive? Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the chai for me and all my buddies growing up, obviously, you know, as young dudes, it was like this coolest site ever, right? Like, oh man, that'd be such a fun company to work for one day. Um, and somehow uh, in 2018, I got connected with their chief strategy officer. We had hit it off and I've been consulting with them ever since. So 
I work with them specifically on their e-commerce brand, the Chibri. Um, you know, they're an eight-figure e-commerce brand, really leveraging the cult-like following of, of the Chive. And they create tons of cool like graphic tees and apparel um, and coins. And they have really great partnerships with like Bill Murray and other people. So for me, just growing up, kind of like looking at this brand as like, oh, this is so cool. And now being at a place where like they look to me to kind of advise and consult them on some related practices um, has been really re- rewarding, kind of fulfilling. Yeah, the Chivery Bill Murray, like you can't like you can't go wrong. I wonder if there was any fail, if there was any like failures when they were rolling that out, because like I feel like that's been such a win. <laughs> yeah, I don't know too much about, about like kind of that partnership. It, it was kind of a lot around before I got involved, but from what I've seen and what I've heard, like you know, Bill is such a great guy. That, to your point, they've got a great partnership. Um, every year they do like a golf tourney together that just looks like absolute madness, right? Like it looks like the best time ever. So I got to imagine they probably had some things that haven't gone their way, but they've had a lot of things that certainly have gone their way. So uh, hats off to them. Oh yeah. And I would even imagine he breaks into a whole new market for them when it comes to their audiences. So that's super snazzy there, but Sweet. Let's get down to business. Um, we'll be having some of these actual ads, emails, kind of screenshots, all within the kind of show notes for the kind of podcast description. But let's go ahead and dive into some of these top ads and kind of top emails. And I believe we have a brand calming blanket to where we have the ad below, some special offers and how it kind of ties into email and leaving some killer reviews on the ads and you know how it affected acquisition costs. So we'd love to kind of dive into your top ad for the calming blanket, as well as the kind of strategy behind it, how you incorporated the email side of it, because the way you explained it earlier, quite a game changer. And I feel like, shoot, many brands could implement this and you know, do some wonders there. <laughs> Chase, um, tell us, tell us, what's the rich ad, man? Lay it on us. <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, I'm just going to start actually really quickly, one step back with like what we did and why we did it. Um, so, so this brand, Common Blankets, they're basically a weighted blanket that you could you know, wear kind of as a hug that you could kind of sleep with to help you feel grounded and calm, right? So again, they can't say these things in their ads, but it's really around helping people with anxiety or kind of people that have, you know, just some kind of fear, some kind of, you know, impulse for, for attention and need and care and love, right? So these blankets, they kind of range from about, you know, 200 300 maybe $400 in price. Um, and this company was doing really, really well, at initially just running ads top of the funnel. And we had the idea kind of jointly on if we could leverage the traffic from email of people that have purchased um, to send that traffic to different ads every week, to different ads every month, or different ads every quarter, we got to imagine that we could increase the social proof um, organically, which would then tie into um, the ad itself. So just really quickly finishing up on this email, and then we'll go into the ad piece. We basically um, sent an email about two weeks after someone had received their item, just saying, hey, so-and-so's name, um, we'd, we'd love to have you share a comment on a recent Facebook post about how your purchase has improved your life. Um, please include an image. Please include a video. Please include a sentence. We'd really love to hear from you. And if you do this, we're actually going to enter you into this giveaway or this sweepstakes where you could win a free kind of a king or queen uh, weighted blanket, which is worth $349, right? So we're basically we're incentivizing these people that purchased for us to leave an, you know, a review on this ad. And to your point, it helped really decrease the cost of acquisition. So now that you have the, the story, I'll talk about the, the ad. Does that yeah. sound good? Yeah. 
Yeah, let's totally do it. Hey, uh, quick though, what was the kind of opening click-through rate on the actual emails themselves for that after for those kind of purchasers? So off memory, I was looking at this kind of preparing uh, last night. I want to say the open rate was about 53%. I think the click-through was about 4 or 5%. And this was at scale, right? Like they were getting thousands and tens of thousands of people every month behind these things. So it really did add up over time. Oh, yeah, especially being on ads. I mean, all you, all you need are like four or five of those bad boys, and those will do wonders there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I kind of have two ads that I screenshotted. And again, there were probably dozens of ads that we sent traffic to over time. Uh, I've got two kind of ads uh, screenshotted that you guys could see in the show notes. These were two of the, the dozens of ads that we kind of sent traffic to and sent comments to over the course of about a year of working with this brand. So looking kind of at this first ad, um, basically the ad had a review from someone, um, from a customer, right? So we basically had all these people leaving ads, reviews, um, and then we made one of those reviews actually into an ad itself. And then we started sending other people to this review ad. And people were like, oh, I want to enter my comment. I want to enter my thing too, because I want to win this blanket. I want my comment and my thing featured on Facebook ads. Um, And basically, it was this really great quote that we got about how when this lady used this blanket, she felt so much calmer. Um, and then we offered kind of this discount code of, you know, save $90 with code winner, right? So we were running this one over the holidays. This one's a little bit older um, of an ad, but this ad was really where they sent a lot of their traffic and, and therefore a lot of their conversions came from. Yeah, that makes total sense there. W- w- any idea on kind of what kind of revenue those kind of ads brought in or kind of how the result had changed? I know you mentioned that acquisition costs kind of dropped there, but any kind of figures on the, the full spectrum of the number side of things? So I don't have a specific number in terms of like what the acquisition costs actually, you know, was or what that looked like. But this company was doing, you know, about seven figures a month in, in revenue. And a majority of their revenue outside of the email, right? Email probably accounted for 20, 25% of it. A majority of the revenue came from their Facebook, Instagram, and a little bit of Google, um, but mainly Facebook and Instagram, right? So this ad across the other ads they had, I got to imagine probably was driving 60% of their revenue. Oh, wow. And so they were really only using a couple ads at a time, but those ads were just super flavorful on the social proof side of things. Yeah, they basically were using the same kind of ad formats um, and then just updating them based off the season, right? So in all of our emails, instead of, you know, the, the one that I'm looking at right now saying code winter, you know, if we're about to do it right now, it would be spring, you know, about to be summer, right? So that same kind of structure is what we followed both in email and in ads, right? So this ad might be updated, um, with some new creative, maybe for a little bit warmer weather, it might say, save $90 with code spring. So we were really focused both on ads and email. And again, we didn't run the ads, but this was a strategy that was very consistent across both channels um, that was very relevant and very timely. And because we had so many people on the list and so many people purchasing, it was okay for us to kind of switch from one ad to another because we were able to provide that social proof so quickly. It didn't really matter if we had 500 comments on a different ad. We could pretty quickly get 500 new comments on a new ad. Man, that is wild there. That's a cool concept. I, I just love how you can just do the spring, summer, winter, fall. I mean, this is something you could do a couple times a year, which is just, you know, it's like having one Black Friday sale or hey, you could have three or four a year. You know, it's one of those kind of concepts to make the most out of it. So I love that style. Yeah, what I what I found what again, like we're we're very focused on the email side, but what I've found on the email side, but also um it appears to be true on the Facebook side that a lot of our clients that we work with have really great lifestyle and kind of product photography. 
Um, so their ads, the stuff in the emails, everything is always so on brand. It's always so timely and so relevant. And I think that's really been the key, right? In terms of different differentiating is the fact that like we're speaking to people the way that they want to be spoken to um, based off the current landscape of how people want to be spoken to, right? Obviously with everything that just happened, you know, in the world, things are changing and people are kind of catching up and smart marketers are able to kind of have their pulse on what's coming and then everyone else kind of reacts, right? But I think being kind of proactive and early on top of these trends, on top of these, you know, craziness in the world, and obviously having a sense of like, how should you display these things? Or maybe, maybe you should even take a pause for a few days to not display things, right? But I think being like really great people, being really great marketers is knowing when to show things, knowing when not to show things, knowing how people are going to feel. And we've always leveraged the user base. We've always asked customers for feedback. We've always asked customers to fill out surveys. We've always asked customers um, in Facebook groups that we have for um, our brands, like how they feel, what they're thinking, and what would they think if we tried X, Y, and Z, right? We're basically always kind of testing our hypotheses around ads and email with a small group of kind of loyal and VIP type folks, just so that way we can try to get other people's thoughts other than our own. Oh, yeah. And what better way to get feedback from the customers directly? That's the freaking best way to do it there. Shoot. Well, heck yeah. So we have the anatomy of a solid ad with a killer email all mixed into one. Let's go ahead and rip apart, you know, kind of losing email on this kind of side of things. Because, shoot, with the way you have it set up on the anatomy of a losing ad, I want to dive into kind of each one of these points to kind of gauge why didn't this kind of work, how to kind of make it better. And just so everybody kind of listening has some insights, we'll have the anatomy of a losing ad as well as a, or a losing email as well as a winning email with a kind of breakdown of why, you know, how to kind of strategize there. But let's kind of dive into the anatomy of that losing email you kind of posted as well here. Awesome. Yeah. So you guys, again, will see all this, but uh, with this losing email, um, what we noticed was that the header was only desktop friendly, right? So you absolutely have to start designing if you're not already um, for mobile, right? So make sure that your emails look just as good on mobile, if not better than they do on, on desktop, right? So in this current email, um, unfortunately, when we op- opened it on mobile, it just looks atrocious, right? Um, and that's a huge miss. What we did notice over the kind of the COVID time, a lot more of the traffic to our e-commerce stores was on mobile. A lot more purchases were on mobile. Um, so again, keep mobile in mind. Um, also too, um, with this brand, they had a lot of their kind of social icons and brand slogans at the very top of the email. Um, and I feel that that's better suited at, at the footer um, where we, you really want to keep the header, the first thing that people see, very simple, right? So just use your brand logo and your top nav- navigation if needed. And then have everything else, kind of any other noise towards the bottom, right? People don't need to see your social icons at top. They don't need to see your brand slogan at top. Save that from the bottom. You're, you're wasting really precious real estate. Is that making sense so far? Yeah, that makes total sense, especially the whole desktop and mobile side of things. Because shoot, I know we see a ton of conversions via mobile. So that's probably a huge indicator there on, you know, a big fix there. It's where, hey, making it mobile friendly and desktop friendly. But with me being super email illiterate, can you actually have separate designs on the email mobile side versus email desktop side of things? Or is it kind of... Dylan doesn't know how to read. Dylan does not know how to read. <laughs> He's not an email illiterate. He's just illiterate. <laughs> but on that side, do you have kind of different templates for the mobile and desktop? Or is it kind of kind of one size fits all there? I, shoot, I really don't know. Yeah, it kind, of, it kind of depends. Like it depends on how you're, you know, building your emails, right? Are your emails mainly 
text-based or emails mainly image-based? Um, is your email just literally one long image, right? Is it sliced and diced? So it really just depends. But in, in Clavia, which is the ESP that we're using, um, ESP just means you know email service provider, your email marketing platform. Um, you could actually render and kind of switch between mobile and, and desktop previews. So we'll basically build first on desktop and then we'll check the mobile preview and then we'll make adjustments as needed. Um, a lot of the times blocks and things do render properly and they do transfer over fine. But there are other times where we'll notice something is kind of messed up or screwed up. And then we'll go in and specifically fix it on the mobile version without touching the desktop, right? So I'd say probably 75% of the work that we do is done uh, on desktop and mobile in one go. And then, you know, kind of the remaining 25% is kind of just a second pass through and second look, um, some separate testing just to make sure that it does look really great on both. Um, so then kind of going into this, this next part of the email, and again, you guys will see this. Um, there's just kind of a block of text, right? Um, and, and our feedback here is basically using subheaders as needed to break up long body text. So um, when it's too much text, um, people aren't going to really read it. It's going to kind of be confusing. So having some kind of text hierarchy is key. And that is done through incorporating fonts, kind of the different weight, um, the different sizes and different colors. So again, this will make way more sense when you're actually looking at it. Um, and you'll see a lot of these notes as well. And then also too, um, we kind of say, don't use all caps for the body. Um, it works well maybe for a sentence or a few words, but anything more than using that, it's just kind of difficult for users to digest, right? When everything's um, in caps, it makes it feel like everything's important. And having two paragraphs of everything that being important means really nothing becomes important, right? So that's also another tip. Is that making sense, guys? Oh, yeah, that makes total sense there. So from your perspective, what would be the biggest thing to kind of change on this losing email that you would make that, that would probably make the biggest impact in a positive manner there? I think here is like, it's, it's just too busy looking at they're trying to cram in way too much and so few sections, right? I would probably, you know, really focus on like, what's the goal of this email? Like, what is the key here? Um, because we don't really know like what this email was trying to solve or trying to, you know, suggest or, like, there's no call to action above the fold, right? So people like, wh where do they click? Like, where do they go? How do they know what to do? I think just really kind of taking a step back and being like, what is our goal of this email? Our goal is to get people to read this email and then they'll have info about our company. Okay, great. You know, cut out all the other noise. And our goal is to drive conversion, right? Okay, let's, let's make it conversion focused. Let's make it really simple to understand. Let's make the call to actions really clear. Um, let's provide people information where if they just scan this, they understand it. Um, is, is the call to action to get someone to go to the blog post, right? Have a few kind of sentences about like the blog post or a few sentences from the blog post, and then just have a really simple call to action that says, you know, read more, right? I think keeping in mind like user experience and designing for that is really important. That makes total sense there. I mean, shoot, when I see that big coupon looking thing in the middle of the email, it reminds me of those old school, you know, grocery store things you pull off the wall for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then kind of the, the last two things on, on this email is they kind of have this product section where they talk about like what's hot. And there's kind of three different um, products that they focus on. Um, our, our recommendation here is to give kind of products enough spacing and give kind of the, the text the ability to breathe. There's way too much information there without any differentiation. So you're not really too sure like where to look or which one you want to focus on, right? So it's, again, it's just too noisy, it's too busy, and it's not built for mobile. So um, when, you're, when you're showing and displaying products, right, keep it simple. 
Um, you don't need to have every single reason why someone should buy that specific product or every single um, detail about it. Like just give people enough that they want to click through. And then when they're on their site, they can see a really beautiful layout of the, the product land, right? Um, and then lastly, in this email, again, they stuffed everything in the header. Like there's now no footer information, right? Like there's just this blob of gray space and openness where it's like, that is a perfect place to have the details that you tried stuffing at the top to the bottom. Oh yeah, that's a huge gray spot there. Shoot, I don't imagine people can get lost in here pretty quick. So where even as you mentioned, you want to lead them to something to kind of click through. I love the whole cliffhanger mentality that you know makes them want to click through to where this one's just a ton of information without a doubt. Yeah, this is very quickly going to probably be deleted from people's inboxes, right? Like Marcus spam, delete. Like I don't know what's happening here. So when you Chase, when you say this is the you know the poor the poor ad here, like what were the results of it? You know, like give us a like an A and a B here of uh, the the night and day performance of a, a winning and a losing. Yeah, so um, this wasn't this was a much older one because again, like there's there's no way in heck that we design and, and do these types of emails anymore. <laughs> this yeah. was way early on in our days. We've been around for a few years now. Um, from this is sucked is what Chase is saying. <laughs> when we first started, we really sucked. Um, <laughs> mainly because my partner and I at the time were doing all the designs, and thankfully to this day now we have a, a design team that's way better than we ever were or could ever be. But um, from yeah. from memory. Um, I think this email did decent on the open rates. I think it was like a, I don't know, like a 15 or 20% open rate, um, which yeah. is decent. And then I want to say like the click through was almost like it was close to zero, right? Like it was probably 0. 0.2 or, or something, right? Like I, I don't even know like where people would have clicked, right? I don't know if we even had links on these images. Like, yeah, this was a hot mess. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't and think what were the results of the, 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 the rich ad here? What's that performing at? Yeah, so the, the ad related to the blanket, that had like a, a north of like a 50% open rate. And I think it had like a 4 or 5% click through, um, which, which is pretty decent, you know, a couple of weeks after purchase, especially when we're asking people to leave a review on a Facebook ad, right? Like no one really does. That's kind of like, huh, like right. what does this actually mean? Um, but I four, four to four to five percent click through on that. And then you're, you're losing one is oh, almost zero. Like, almost zero. Yeah. There you go. I think we got fired pretty quickly from that losing uh, email client. Uh, I think we maybe lasted a few weeks or a few so months. If we were to just say, you know, how much money did you lose on the on the poor ad? Like, would, did you just you just lost the entire account, right? Yeah, yeah. They they made no money, and we we had our retainer yanked. <laughs> there you go. And what was your retainer? Ah, uh, man, back then it, it it was cheap. Like they basically we basically were paying them to work with us at, at that point, right? Like starting. <laughs> Starting out, like I so long story. Dude, this is so this is so putting you in the poorhouse. I love it. You were they weren't even a profitable client. <laughs> yeah. Email you were doing the design yourself. This is this, this is great. Yeah. So real quickly, uh, my background is in cold email, like high volume cold email building communities, like yeah. open scale yeah. communities, like you know acquired over a million or two million email subscribers through non paid acquisition. Um, yeah. And then Nick Shackelford. Um, who I know you guys know, and he's a good buddy of mine. He's like, dude, what are you doing on this cold email stuff? Like, this stuff is so spammy. Like, you need to come into this e-commerce world. Like, I promise it's going to be way better. So I came into the e-commerce world. Uh, Nick sent me a course to take. I took a quick course. It's like, dude, I'm so ready. I'm going to crush this. Brought on like a client, um, this one and one other. I think they literally were paying me like 250 bucks or 500 bucks, right? Like, I was just begging for like experience in a case study. 
Um, yeah. so, so thankfully they, they didn't lose that much. Right. But like, it's just crazy <laughs> to see the evolution of like, when I actually was designing the emails and my team still makes fun of me the day about it. Right. Like, um, that is so awesome. And, and yeah. So now, I mean, now we're charging a lot higher rates because our work is so refined. And the funny thing is like, we have a really great reputation in the space of having the most beautifully designed email. So it's just really funny to see the evolution of like where we were to where we are now, like in a two to three year window. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and just so you all have some context, we'll be having this losing email we're talking about as well as three or four top emails based off different products. So, I mean, you'll be able to see some of these juicy ones he was talking about. Cause shoot. They would and, be revenue quick. Wise, and revenue wise, talk about this, this, this rich ad email. Like what is that? What do you think the revenue you know is that, that came off of that? So related to the email, I had that access. Like that email itself, um, asking for a review was doing like two to three thousand dollars a month, right? Like the point of the email wasn't really even in drive revenue. Right. Again, like granted, sometimes in Clavio and sometimes in platforms, attribution's not a hundred percent accurate. So some of that yeah. from other things, but you know, it's doing about a couple thousand dollars a month in revenue, the email itself. Um, but but the ad, those two ads, and then you know, I think they probably had a handful of other ads. Like I think they have a dozen ads that they had pretty much focused on and rotated between. Um, I mean, again, they were they were doing like seven figures a month in revenue, and a majority of their revenue was coming from Facebook and Instagram traffic. So you got to imagine wow. these ads were doing you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And do you know the? Do you remember the monthly spend or like give or take? Yeah, tr- truthfully, we're not as kind of up to speed with how much customers are, are spending. And a lot of these customers scale pretty quickly. Like some of the numbers that they told us back then, like would change in weeks, right? Like basically what happened is like, we'd come into some of these brands like this client, for example, that was doing some email, but not a ton of email. And we were then producing yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars in new revenue that they never had every month. So they were able to right. scale there. You know, maybe, maybe they went from like 50,000 to like a hundred thousand, like in the first couple of months of working with us. And I want to say now they're, they're pretty consistently spending I would guess mid six figures on ads a month. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely so, seen some of these ads. Awesome. Doubt, so I wouldn't be surprised there. <laughs> so basically like this, you know, the, the high level strategy is like leverage your email to like hack your ad engagement and your comments yeah. and like campaigns. Yeah, exactly. And then um, for this client also um, they're based out of Australia and in Australia, yeah. New Zealand and places like that, um, not that consumers here don't, right? Obviously, right? Consumers here go on places like Trustpilot and they look at reviews and they look at Yahoo and they look at all these things, right? But we found right. that customers in other countries like really look at review platforms very heavily and that's how they make their decision. Um, right. We are also in, we're in the same post purchase flow on the email side. After we asked for the comment on a Facebook ad, we also then were asking for a review on a third party review site. Um, because we wanted to really jack up and increase those, right? So after we had enough, you know, ads on our own website, after this client had enough ads, right? After, you know, 100 reviews, 500 reviews, 1,000 reviews, like at some point, they all become the same. Um, So we kind of started after we had that, focusing the attention on the Facebook ads, on the third-party review sites. And we just started noticing like over time, like we were just crushing it. Like conversions would increase and we never understood why. So after we figured out the fact that like, Customers that wanted to buy already consulted these sites. And as we built these sites up and as we built the ads up, like the whole com- conversion as a whole just increased. So yeah, it's, ha- it's using your email. It's imp- harnessing the power of your customers to, you know, 
kind of, yeah, kind of build you up on other platforms. That way you can keep building this ecosystem. Dude, especially when you can bring in 20% of or 20 or 30% of the overall revenue via email. I mean, that's a huge other area to kind of really optimize and kind of focus on without a doubt. So, I mean, it's email's definitely nowhere near dying. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about, again, like another point of this topic is ads, but like if you think about your, your email channel, right? Other than whatever you pay your internal or your agency to manage in, whatever costs you pay for ESP, everything else other than obviously minus product costs, whatnot, is, is profit, right? So we work with mainly seven, eight figure clients, as I mentioned. Um, on the low end, our brands are probably doing 40, 50K a month in email revenue. On the high end, they're probably doing like half a million dollars in, in email revenue, potentially even more. Um after you take out our costs of, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, after you take out the cost of their email provider, a couple thousand dollars a month, like obviously that product cost, but like they're literally sitting on tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in profit that they're then able to reinvest back into the top of the funnel. They're then able to reinvest into more inventory, right? Like they have all this extra cash that they could do wherever the heck they want with it, frankly. Oh yeah. And that goes a long way with all that data because shoot, data is money in this industry without a doubt. Heck Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was super juicy. I mean, we got the, the, the nitty gritty info on the kind of results to where, you know, how those, you know, more poor emails kind of impacted your relationship with the clients. But it's cool to see how you kind of evolved over time because, shoot, I mean, I'm on your newsletter and I love seeing all these emails from, you know, random brands. Hey, this is a super sick one. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm opening so many doors on the email side. So, man, we, I love what you're doing over there. You're definitely the email king that I kind of pay attention to with all of these. So, I mean. Shouts out right there. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. Thank you. But, well, heck yeah. I mean, everybody, that was a pretty good little one there, diving into email, some ad orientation there. But, I mean, shoot, when it comes to that social proof, it'll make a difference on that bottom line without a doubt. And on that on that poor ad side of things, I mean, shoot, the click-through rate kind of speaks for itself in comparison to that good email. Going from, you know, 4.5%, not even 1%. So, I mean, that's a pretty big indicator there on what works and what doesn't work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, in the show notes, you'll see a bunch of really cool things. Like um, there's a winning email teardown and there's three or so email examples of our, from our clients that performed really well and they're for different use cases. So definitely check those out. And if anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to hit me up. Heck yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Zach. How can, uh, how can people do that, Chase? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm like eight years late to the game, but I've been on a Twitter tear lately. So um, hit me up on Twitter. That's a platform that I'm sharing kind of daily tips and tricks. Um, my, my username is Ecom, E-C-O-M, and then Chase Diamond, no A in Diamond. So Ecom, Chase Diamond. There you go. Oh, yeah. And definitely sign up for that newsletter, y'all, because, I mean, there is some juicy info in there. And whether you're doing email or not, I mean, you can definitely get some value out of this. I mean, I joined like three months ago, and I don't even do email, but I love looking through those. So, I mean, <laughs> definitely sign up for that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, much appreciated for hopping on, man. Um, we love this. It was a different kind of outlook on the ads and email side. But hey, once again, man, thanks for kind of taking the time to kind of, you know, have some fun on this Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast with us. Yeah, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks, Chase. Awesome. Y'all have a good one.